You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So the primary goal for today isn't necessarily to do a 53, but to kind of inch into it, ease into it, uh, by way of looking at last year's 53 and uh, looking at how many players we kept at each position and saying, if we keep that same amount of players, where are we going with this? And the only reason I want to do that isn't because I think we're going to keep the exact same amount of players, but again, to kind of show a little bit of perspective. Because a lot of times, if you ask fans, um, is this guy going to get cut or is he going to make the team? Oh, he's going to make the team. What about Shepard? Oh, he's going to make the team. What about this guy? Oh, yeah, he's going to make the team. And by the time you're done, out of the 90 players, you've probably got about 70 that are going to make the team. So we're not going to do that. And again, this is just to kind of ease into it and kind of get the gears turning a little bit as far as um, maybe having a more reasoned look at these kinds of things. And then I also want to dabble a bit. And we'll, we'll maybe do this with some other positions, but probably not. But um, as far as looking at quarterbacks, because I just barely dabbled in it before I decided to get started. And I made it to quarterback. And my first thought is, this isn't great. What if we bring somebody in? And I know it's already been mentioned uh, on this podcast as well as elsewhere about C.J. Beathard. So we'll look at that and a few other options just based on what people have been doing in the preseason thus far and kind of go from there. And obviously because yesterday was the last training camp, uh, we'll start off with looking at uh, what happened yesterday. Just a couple minor notes and then we'll we'll kind of move on. But before we take our break, just want to remind you once again about the uh, the, the draft fantasy football tournament. Again, $3.5 million in cash prizes. I already had a couple people reach out and say they're doing it. The only reason they're telling me is because they've had issues, but we're getting those resolved. And by the way, if you're having, if you've tried it and it didn't work, just let me know. I'll talk to them and we'll get it fixed up. But would like it if you'd give it a shot because, again, all jokes aside, it would be fantastic if somebody that listened to this show ended up winning some money, even if you don't give me half. But again, for those that don't know, it is a best ball tournament, meaning you do your draft and it's going to retroactively put in the best players, give you the highest possible score based on the players that you have and what they did that particular week. So really you just draft and uh, set it and forget it and walk away and see what happens at the end of the season. Not a bad gig if it means you're a millionaire in 16 weeks. And also for a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the best ball championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use promo code Packernet. That's right, a free shot at a million bucks just by using promo code Packernet when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code Packernet. Again, any issues, just reach out to me directly. Give me your handle. I will forward it along to them and we'll get it cleaned up for you. We'll take a break and we'll dive into this thing. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. As for training camp, the did not practice list, Kevin King, KBN Ento, Kadar Holman, Oren Burks, Danny Vitale, Jimmy Graham, Jay Sternberger, Reggie Gilbert, Greg Roberts, Ibrahim Campbell. Um, as far as Jimmy Graham, he's going to be okay. Kudakun says Kevin King is getting close, which, I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest. If, if he gets healthy plays and makes it two weeks before getting hurt again, I'd, I'd be pretty stunned. Just saying. I mean, I, I just, I, I have very... As much as you guys know that I don't necessarily think he's a great player, I have even less um, faith in his ability to be healthy at this point. He just—it seems like he's hardly ever played. It, I mean, even when he is playing, it seems like he's playing injured. So it's—it's it's just a—it's it's really unfortunate for him. I'm not trying to act like I'm angry at him for it. it it's an unfortunate situation. Obviously, this isn't his choice, but it's just—it's getting to be beyond frustrating. Um, <sighs> I'd be almost better served to kind of wait on this because we're going to talk about it. But you know, we, we there's been a lot of there's been a lot of praise going around. Um, for example, you know, Aaron and I mentioned how this year maybe even more so than in previous years to the point where I almost don't even care and just kind of turn it off when when somebody says somebody's really great. So for example, um, there was a note that Aaron Rodgers s- basically singled out one of the wide receivers for this year as somebody that really impressed him, and that one al- that was Alan Lazard. So everybody wants to automatically pencil him into 53. However, if you pencil in the guys that we absolutely know are going to make the team, as well as everybody that Rodgers or Lafleur or somebody has uh, has mentioned as being really really impressive, we're going to have like nine wide receivers on this team. It's an exaggeration, but whatever. But what I what I found to be very interesting was this comment on Equinemius, who I've said is is kind of worrying me because I really like Equinemius, but I, due to the quietness, I'm wondering if he doesn't get bumped off the team. Well, Aaron Rodgers had a note which I thought was very encouraging. Some people maybe don't like it, but I, I again I think Equinemius is a very good receiver. I think he can be a very good contributor for this team. I really do like him, and the note was, uh, quote. Almost quietly, I think EQ has had a really nice camp. I think he's been very consistent. We haven't talked about him a lot, which is actually a positive. It's almost like, yeah, well, he's on the squad. He's been that good. Which is also kind of interesting going back to um, Alan Lazard, if you look at it from that context, because what is he saying? Right, He's not talking up Devontae Adams because there's no need. He hasn't really talked up Marquez because there's no need. He also hasn't talked up Equinemius. He is talking up guys like Alan Lazard. So it's kind of interesting if you think about it. You know, Aaron Rodgers has got a, a unique quality that obviously um, guys like Mike Florio are never going to want to talk about. But he's very, very, and it's almost Mike McCarthy-esque because McCarthy was this way too. But he definitely likes to stand up for his guys. Right? When his guys get hurt, he gets angry. When Randall Cobb got hurt when he was mic'd up, he said, no more, I don't want to do this anymore. When Trevor Davis got hurt on the kick return in, in a scrimmage with the Texans, he said, no more, we shouldn't be doing this anymore. 
there was a lot of talk about how Aaron Rodgers threw a fit when they got rid of of uh Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, but another way to look at this would be he knew that it was very likely they were going to be gone, and he wanted his voice to be heard, that this is his guy and he wants him there, right? He, he wasn't just bragging up Jordy and Cobb all the time. He, he started, you started hearing about how valuable Randall Cobb was right around the time that it became clear that Randall Cobb probably isn't going to be on this team very much longer because he's not contributing much anymore, right? Geronimo, we hear about how great Geronimo was last year. Well, Geronimo's a bubble guy. He's not so much this year, so you don't hear Aaron Rodgers pumping him up quite as much as you do in past year. Because he's not a bubble guy, because he's, he's, what is the word? He's firmly in the 53 right now. So what I'm saying is Aaron Rodgers seems to have a, a history, and it's almost kind of telling when he starts pumping somebody up. Not that they're bad, but it, and not even that he's being dishonest. He's being honest but he's going out of his ways to pump up guys that he likes that are bubble players. So it's a good thing for Alan Lazard that he's being pumped up, but if you read this note and, and put Lazard above some of the other guys, I think we're, we're probably not understanding this correctly. So again, I, I thought that was a really interesting note, and again, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. They, they and he in particular don't really feel the need to pump up guys that they just assume are automatically going to make the team. He's standing up for guys that um you know he thinks maybe aren't going to be with the team very much longer and and it, it you know whether it's just him being polite to people that are going on the you know on their way out or it's him kind of vying for you know I know some guys are getting cut so I'm going to go ahead and put my voice out there that I like this guy and this guy I don't really know and it and it kind of doesn't matter because from my standpoint it's it's just a matter of um kind of telling me where somebody is so from this point, and we'll see what happens, right? This is Aaron Rodgers' um, perspective. He's not the one that's actually making the decisions, so he may be shocked as, as the rest of us are about equanimity by the time this is all over. But Aaron Rodgers has a much better view of the situation than I do. And again, from his perspective, equanimity is a lock, and Alan Lazard is not. Which again, seems like a weird takeaway from Aaron Rodgers singling out one player like Alan Lazard. But somebody else pointed out in the comment, I saw this on Twitter, and somebody said, yeah, didn't somebody say that, didn't he say the same thing two years ago about Max McCaffrey? And yes, he absolutely did, and Max McCaffrey got cut. Uh, McCaffrey was the, the brother of, um, what's his name, the guy in, in uh, Carolina. So I really liked him because I thought that guy in Carolina was one of my favorite running backs I've ever watched. Kind of wanted the Packers to get him, even though I knew it was a long shot and we didn't necessarily need him. But anyways, that's neither here nor there point is I ended up liking his brother and that was the case right he was he was a quality receiver not quite to where Kumaro is but one of those guys that you don't expect much from but he kind of shows up and he, he makes plays kind of every day it's like you know this guy might actually have a shot Aaron Rodgers starts talking him up like he's probably the guy that's impressed me the most and he gets cut so you know understand kind of you got you got to kind of read between the lines I guess and again this is this is this is good information a uh, real good day for Trevor Davis, which is very good news for Trevor Davis because, as I mentioned, every day that he's injured and guys show up and, and, and really uh, flash the talent is a day that he's he's losing his job. But um, he was hurt a couple days. He comes back, and he absolutely just tore it up from what I've been able to glean. So that's going to be a tough, really tough call. And, again, not that people in Green Bay are completely ignorant of Trevor Davis. Obviously, Brian Gutekunst has watched Trevor Davis from day one. But, you know, depending on how much influence Matt LaFleur has, he's coming into this relatively blind. I mean, he knows who Trevor Davis is. I'm sure he's watched a little bit of him. 
But if this is your first impression, Trevor Davis has been one of the best wide receivers on this team, it's going to be hard for him to say, yeah, that's fine, let's let him go. There was uh, one note on Aaron Jones. It's only one, but it makes me very excited because we haven't heard anything about Aaron Jones so far this year. Very similar to last year, actually, where he was hurt and then ended up getting suspended. But uh, the only note was Jones' big game up the middle on an inside toss. That just makes me so happy. I just want to see the man play again. He's such a good football player. Uh, There was another note with Josh Jackson coming back that Tony Brown has stayed ahead of him. Um, You know, I've been skeptical of Josh Jones. You know, I've mentioned how the scheme change might not work out for him and all that kind of stuff, and I'm I'm hopeful that he's going to be a great corner. But I also wouldn't read too much into this. You know, Josh Jackson coming back is is no different than when Savage came back and people just get kind of eased in. Uh, Tony Brown has done a good job. He's earned the right to kind of stay out there with the ones. Josh Jackson, again, slowly getting eased back. Um, is that how it's going to be week one? I, I don't really know what's going to happen week one. Again, I, I, I'm i trying not to read too much into training camp and preseason, but the corners I don't believe have been very good. I know Tony Brown and Kadar Holman and guys like that have, have kind of shown up, but I think we have to know that these guys are not going to be all-stars when the regular season rolls around and they're going up against professional number one wide receivers. I mean, we do understand that, right? Tony Brown is going to be mediocre at best when the actual NFL season rolls around. He is not going to lock down anybody. Maybe some wide receivers that aren't very good. He might have good days. He might have good games. But we all understand if he goes up against Allen Robinson week one, he won't, but he can't beat. I don't even have that high a regard for Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson would tear him up. My concern is right now Kevin King has not proven very much and is injured. Josh Jackson has proven very little. Tony Brown is, I really like Tony Brown, but I think he has a a moderate ceiling. Kadar Holman has shown flashes, but again, he's not going to be able to hang with the big boys come week one, two, three, four, five. I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to put Jair out there um, against Thielen and Kadar Holman's going to take on Stephon Diggs. He's going to get destroyed. So right now, my one hope for our cornerback group is Jair, and Jair has done absolutely zero throughout the entire training camp and preseason. And again, I know it's training camp and preseason, but it's not super comforting that the guy has been kind of terrible for several weeks now. And this is a team that is having a really hard time trying to figure out how to get quality cornerbacks, and we have seen relatively very little quality cornerback play. And even if we take Jair out of the equation and say he's going to be a good corner, I don't know if we have a second one. And that's very frustrating for the billionth year in a row to have to say we, we've invested a ton in this position and got nothing out of it. We'll see what happens. I'm just not really hopeful that we're going to have a great cornerback group. And, and, and a big part of it might have to be the pass rush. You know, if, if that can step up, everything else kind of comes together a little bit more nicely. But either way, you know, I just I, I hope it's better. You know, just seeing preseason with guys wide open again is like, come on, man, jeez. Every year, every game, every time, it's just, it's tiring, man. Packers receivers can't get open once. Every single drive, there's somebody open for the other team. I, I, I don't know, man. Seems, seems interesting. Um, Brian Balaga was out for a bit and then got rested again. I'm wondering if the rest is going to increase as we get closer to the, um, the regular season. Which, again, it it does not tell us that he's going anywhere. It tells us that he's going to be playing. Otherwise, why arrest him? So, And it also tells us how important he is to the squad. But any, anyways, um, in his place, uh, they did kick Billy Turner outside and put Elton Jenkins on the inside, which I think is sort of the way that this is going if the season were today, which is to say that it's going to be Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, um, Billy Turner, 
and Brian Balaga. And if Brian Balaga were to get hurt, Billy Turner would slide out to right tackle and Elton Jenkins would come in at the right guard position. The only question mark right now is, is Elton Jenkins going to eventually win the job over Lane Taylor? In which case, you just switch the two and Lane Taylor would come in as, as the guard and um, Billy Turner would be the right tackle. Either way, it's the, it's the same offensive line if, uh, if Balaga gets hurt. The only real question is if Bakhtiari were to get hurt, are we going to put Billy Turner at left tackle? Either way, it's going to be a nightmare, um, and I would kind of prefer we put Billy Turner at left tackle, considering the other alternative is, I believe, Alex Light, and that just makes me sick to my stomach. Um, the Packers did let Kendall Donerson go. Um, it was an injury settlement thing, so he may be back, but I, I don't really anticipate him coming back. We'll see what happens. If he does come back, I'm assuming it would be practice squad, but we'll see. But that's basically it, and we've got no more um, available camps. Uh, there will likely be some, um, and there's going to be more camp, it's just we're not going to be able to watch it because they're going to be employing a lot more scheme and things, which is good because this is the time in which the team is really going to ramp up um, the quality, I guess you could say. So they've kind of established the basics, and now it's kind of time to take it up to that second level, and they don't want the whole world to see what the second level looks like, so we're not going to be privy to it. However, again, Guys are going to be taking pretty big leaps. Guys are going to be looking a lot better. Guys are still probably going to be getting injured and getting better, so we're going to have to live vicariously through the coaches who are going to be uh, hopefully coming to the podium semi-regularly and telling us what's going on. But otherwise, we've got uh, preseason Thursday. We've got another one next Thursday. And then the Thursday after that, man, it's, it's game on. So the Packers have only got a couple weeks to get this thing figured out and get it honed in and get healthy and, and all that stuff. But anyways, let's uh, let's just take our break and then we'll start picking at this 53. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so as I said, the goal at this point is going to be to look at last year's um, allocation of the 53 and trying to read that into this year and just kind of see what that leaves us with. So last year we had three quarterbacks. It's very similar, um, or, well, it's very simple, actually. Uh, Last year we had Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Kaiser, and Tim Boyle. If we keep three, it's going to be the exact same thing. The only real question is going to be, is that the same? I know, uh, I think it was Brian Gutekunst said he believes we already have the backup quarterback or backs on the roster. But it was a very open-ended answer. In other words, you know the answer has to be yes. It's just a matter of how definitive it is. It's another one of those read-between-the-line things. He's not going to say, no, I don't like our guys. He's going to say that he believes this, that, or the other. It's just a matter of how definitively he said it. If he left some wiggle room in there, then there's definitely a possibility that they're looking elsewhere. Um, as for looking elsewhere, so far this preseason, C.J. Beathard is graded out as the 44th best uh, quarterback through the preseason. I know other people have mentioned the fact that he's been in the system, so that would help. 
uh, to have a guy who can kind of run the Packers system. He's also got regular season experience. He did uh, start, let's see, at 198 dropbacks in 2018 with a 60.4 completion percentage, 1,252 yards, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. Outside of the seven interceptions, that's pretty solid, but seven interceptions is not great. Either way, you know, iffy whether Deshaun Kaiser could meet those numbers, and I really, really doubt Tim Boyle would hit those numbers. And again, for the third time, understanding the system is only going to help. For reference, however, I can go through this list and say who's better, who's worse, but the thing that kind of puts a damper on that is number 16 overall so far through the preseason is Tim Boyle. And I've already said I think Tim Boyle is number three on the list, and we're going to look to replace him. And if we do, and we use this list, that's <laughs> it's an inherently flawed system. But guys through the preseason that have been better than Tim Boyle, uh, Josh Dobbs for Pittsburgh, it appears Josh Jobs is the number two uh, behind Ben Roethlisberger, and it would seem as though that means he's not going anywhere. However, uh, they did pick up Mason Rudolph. Now, I really, really did not like Mason Rudolph coming out of college. I don't know if the Steelers have figured that out yet, but let's just say they were to keep two quarterbacks. It's entirely possible they keep Mason and then move on from Josh Dobbs, and that would be an opportunity, I suppose. Above Josh Jobs, we got Mr. Joe Callahan, if we want to go back that route. Um, an actual decent opportunity would be Kyle Slaughter for the Minnesota Vikings. Reason being, they've currently got Jake Browning, who they just picked up this year, and I believe their number two is Sean Mannion. So unless they're keeping four quarterbacks or cutting Jake Browning again, who they just picked up, or their number two, Sean Mannion, Kyle Slaughter could be available. Uh, Slaughter is 6'5", 218. We know the Packers kind of don't mind bigger guys. He was an undrafted free agent, but um, he's been a pretty solid through three preseasons. His grades have been 83.7, 77.7, and this year 77.2. Um, completion percentages have been 72.1, 73.2, and 85% this year. 17 of 20 for 178 yards, 8.9 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. By the way, um, his touchdowns have been 2-4-3. and three. His interceptions have been 0-0-0. Zero, zero, and zero. His NFL passer ratings um, from 2017 to this year have been 125.4, 114.1, and 137.1. The guy's kind of tearing it up a little bit. You know, and, and, you know, again, maybe he's going up against garbage competition, but he's been a better quarterback than, geez, anybody we've had in a pretty long time. That's, that's quite impressive. And, and again, the well, not again, but the, the Vikings have good wide receivers, but he's not playing with them. And if he is, he's playing with the ones. Outside of the top two wide receivers, the Vikings don't have good wide receivers. So, again, impressive. 25-year-old guy, stands six foot five, um, really, really impressive through three preseasons. I don't think he's played any regular season snaps, so there's nothing to go on there. I'm going to put him at the top of my list, uh, top of my watch list right now. Uh, I'm thinking the Vikings are going to keep him, but if they don't, then um, somebody's going to snag him pretty quick. There's uh, Garrett Gilbert, who has been a journeyman, a, a preseason journeyman. He played for the Rams, the Detroit Lions, then he went to Carolina, and this year he's with Cleveland. This is also his first year being a good quarterback, so I'm not putting a lot of heavy stock in that. Uh, Cooper Rush, Dallas Cowboys quarterback, is having a real good preseason. He also had a very good preseason in 2017, but it was pretty abysmal in 2018. Uh passer rating of 56, one touchdown, four interceptions. He's only had two touchdowns over the last two years. 
Again, four interceptions in 2018. There is Kyle Lalletta with the Giants. He's having a real good preseason in his second year. Lalletta was a fourth-round pick, 6'2", 222. We'll see what happens with the Giants. Obviously, they drafted somebody, but if you're moving on from Eli, you're going to need some depth, so they're probably not going to get rid of Kyle Lalletta. Uh, the eighth-best quarterback this year has been Nick Mullins, also a San Francisco 49ers quarterback, but presumably the number two out there, so they're probably not going to get rid of him. But if they do, that would be an immediate yes, please. Um, Pittsburgh's Mason Rudolph, who I said I really didn't like, is actually having a really good <laughs> preseason this year. He's the seventh-best quarterback, but that kind of leans, again, toward potentially having Josh Dobbs available. Otherwise, Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Case Keenum, Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor, and Matt Barkley are the final quarterbacks. So just some guys to think about as we move forward. I do think it would be important or beneficial for the Packers to to just make an attempt. They They just really seem to be borderline prideful with their ability to evaluate and develop quarterbacks and I think it's time to just consider that sometimes players are really good and sometimes players are really bad and if there's a good player out there that's available go get them and if there's a quarterback on your roster that just is not going to be the thing just just let's come on man and I know it's easier said than done we got to see who becomes available who's not available whatever but I don't know I don't think it would kill us to to find some guys that have had some success and just give them a shot, just a thought, and and based on how long this is taking, we may just get through the offense. We'll see what happens. But let's move on to the wide receivers where last year we kept six. Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, Equinemia St. Brown, Jamon Moore, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. If we keep six again, Devontae Adams, Marquez, Geronimo, Equinemius, that's four, Kumaro is five, and then the big question is who's six between Trevor Davis, Alan Lazard, or Darius Shepard is really the, the the big question. I really think Alan Lazard is the third of three on that list. I know he's had one good game and, and he's shown some really good things. I think if they can retain him for another year on the practice squad, if that's possible, I don't know the eligibility situation with him. The other component to this, not only based on a, a sort of a, a talent standpoint, but you've got the special teams component with you, you can't not have Shepard or, Ta- or, or Trevor Davis. You have to have one of those two. And again, we're only keeping six, and we are keeping Kumaro and Equinemius. So that, I mean, it just kind of, the story writes itself at this point. The question is who? I really would like to leave, lead toward Darius Shepard. This, in my mind, is similar to the Mason Crosby, Sam Ficken situation. You've got the younger guy with potentially more ceiling because we've seen what Trevor Davis can do. Trevor Davis is also going to start costing us money in the near future. Darius Shepard is going to be basically free for quite a while. If it's even close to being even, you go with Darius Shepard. The problem is there's concern, right? We, we know what Trevor Davis is, and we know what he's not. And even if he doesn't give us that super big upside, there's, there's a sense of security that, well, at least we know for sure we've got this. I don't know what we have with, with Darius. And, and that, again, that works to the positive and the negative. On one end, he could just be a complete bust, and, and maybe he just had a flash on special teams, and he's not going to be very good on special teams. And we've seen with Trevor Davis where when he was healthy for like a full year, he was the best return man in the NFL. On the flip side, we may have a legitimate wide receiver in Darius Shepard, and it's going to be hard to let him walk. And I know practice squad is going to, he's going to be a, a priority practice squad guy. He may even be one of those guys where, you know, if, if somebody gets injured, you carry him into the season and then move him to practice squad when so-and-so returns. We'll see what happens. Maybe Jimmy Graham gets put on pup or something. I'm not sure. 
But either way, it's very, man, even at this point, and again, I haven't done a 53. I'm just kind of doing this on the fly. I guess because it doesn't super matter, I'm probably just going to go Darius Shepard. But the, the more intelligent decision might be Trevor Davis, just as far as being safe, especially when we're talking bottom of the roster type stuff. We're not looking to swing for the fences. We just want to make sure that you have a, a safe, reliable kind of bottom of the roster. So I'll go Trevor, but um, my heart says Shepard, but my brain says Davis. How's that for lame burn? Um, running backs. This will be running backs and fullbacks because they didn't keep a fullback on the roster. So last year they had four. They had Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones. Oh, stretch it out. And Darius Jackson. So if we're keeping four, it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's, it's well, yeah, I mean, it is obvious, right? Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and um, Danny Vitale are automatic. There was a time at which I thought maybe Jamal wasn't a lock, but he certainly is at this point, considering how terrible Dexter and Trey Carson have been. The only thing that's kind of tough is that Trey Carson has been getting reps ahead of Dexter, but I, I really just don't think... And they may, they may end up just keeping five, because in, and something interesting to think about is, is the fact that they're going to be running a lot more 21 personnel, which is two running backs. So they may skew less wide receiver, more running back with this this particular scheme and alignment. Because if you're running a lot more two wide receiver than three wide receiver, the depth at wide receiver is less important. However, the depth at running back is going to be more important. So it could actually be Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Trey Carson, Dexter Williams, and Danny. So four fullback, four running backs and a fullback. But if we're sticking to the assignment, you, you got to take Dexter over Trey Carson. I mean, you just drafted Dexter. He's going to take some time to develop, but that's that's a, it's a massive no-brainer. And again, depending on the severity of Danny Vitale's injury, he could be a, a candidate for Pup or whatever. And then you put Trey Carson. There's your four, Aaron Jones, Jamal, Trey, Dexter. And then Trey gets moved when Vitale moves in, whatever. At tight end last year, they kept four. I, I Honestly, I just hope they don't do that this year. And they may because this is a pretty tight end heavy offense. I just don't want four. I don't like four. I can't come up with four that I even like. That sounds mean, but again, you keep four, you got to cut somebody else that you really want on the team. But whatever, we'll stick to the rules. We get four tight ends. This should be, I don't know. So Tanyan is automatic. Jay Sternberger is automatic. Uh, Pharaoh and Evan Bayless are gone. So that leaves Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. So there you go. Would that be my decision? No, I, no. To be completely honest, I would probably keep Mercedes Lewis just for the blocking ability. You know, we got the, I know Jimmy Graham is the guy the Packers like, and I they, they like him a lot, and they see his upside, and maybe I'm wrong about Jimmy, and he's going to have a fantastic year, and I hope I am, right? I was banging the drum real hard. He was a guy, he was one of the guys that made me look really dumb because I made big declarations about how great he's going to be. But again, it's also a question of value. It's a question of how much money we're paying him, and I know that uh, money just sitting there doing nothing is not of benefit. However, it's real money. And it, it will get allocated somewhere. And the question is, do you want all that money getting allocated to Jimmy Graham? And the answer is no, I don't. And whether we spend that money on extending somebody like Brian Bala- or excuse me, uh, David Bakhtiari or you know, Devontae or Kenny Clark or whoever, or just sit on it and carry it over into next year, I don't really care. I just I don't want that money going to Jimmy Graham. I don't care what we do with it. Just don't give it to him. Hand out Christmas bonuses. I, I don't care what you do with the money. It just does not seem worth it to give it all to Jimmy Graham. So, yeah, my preference would maybe be three. And I know nobody's super excited about Mercedes, but again, I think he can be a a great coach, a great leader. 
um, a, a very important blocker, and especially considering the scheme and how, and how important it is to be able to trick people into doing one thing and not the other. Nobody's going to be tricked into thinking Jimmy Graham's going to be blocking. Although the problem is he's going to be blocking because they want to give the perception that he will block. Even if he can't, he will. So we're going to have him out there a lot. He's going to be blocking a lot. It's going to be horrible. But then the, the other side is occasionally he's going to slip out and he's going to be a great receiver. And that part I'm excited about if we assume that it's actually going to happen, which we can't. And personally, I'd rather have a guy out there blocking that's actually a good blocker who can eventually slip out. Because again, it's more of a scheme thing than an athleticism thing anyways. If you're blocking and slip out and you got linebackers running full speed one direction, you cut back the other direction. Even if they're fast enough to catch up to you, you're going to be open for a second. And if we're talking about Mercedes being able to gain two more yards and Jimmy Graham getting four yards because he's got a little bit more speed to him. I mean, again, for for however many, many million dollars, no, man, I'm good with Mercedes. And again, it's it's really going to be the, the Robert Tanyan show. He's a he's plenty good uh, receiver. Jay Sternberger is going to be learning plenty. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter either way. I, I just, I, I don't see the benefit. And if he is going to be getting paid, then, and it, it really does come down to, you know, our, our GM, as well as Jimmy Graham, but primarily our GM. If you're going to stand by this and you're going to stand by paying him that much money, he better have a really good year. And this goes for the coaches and everybody else who are saying, no, 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 he needs to stay. All right, well, then I need to see $10 million worth of production. I need to see best tight end in the NFL. I need to see at least top five. For that amount of money, I'm not kidding. I mean, that that's, that's what we're paying him. If he's not a top five wide receiver, and to be honest, I'd be shocked if he's top 15, what are we doing? I'd be shocked if he's top 20. And by the way, there's only about five good tight ends, and after that, they're kind of trash. By the time you get out to 10 and 15, they're not even good tight ends anymore. He needs to have a really, really, really big bounce back, and from what I've seen, he's not bouncing anywhere. Anyways, moving on to the offensive line, the Packers kept five tackles. David Bakhtiari, Jason Spriggs, Alex Light, Brian Balaga, and Byron Bell. And Byron Bell, by the way, was, so i got to be careful with how I'm doing this, Byron Bell was listed on our lads here as a tackle as well as a guard, so they actually have more than 90 people on this list because of the way that they write this out. But anyways, we'll call it uh, we'll call it four and a half. So you've got your uh, your your four tackles, and then you got Byron Bell, who's a tackle guard. If we're being honest, I probably should just call it four because Byron Bell may as well not even been on the team. But we'll call it four and a half. So at this particular point in time, the four, let's see, David Bakhtiari, Brian Balaga, and Alex Light, which are the same three. The question is who's going to, well, so Alex Light is now the new Jason Spriggs. Who's going to take Alex Light's spot? And honestly, I think uh, the uh, Yash Nijman fella, I think he's done a decent enough job to potentially be that guy. And I guess it doesn't have to be. So I, I, I technically could stop it here, or I could add, I mean, it doesn't have to be the, the half guy. I could just... I could call him a tackle and say we had five tackles, or I can call him a guard and just just look for that many guards. And really, the only other guy currently listed as a tackle, according to our lads anyways, is Gerhard DeBeer, and I think he's been pretty pretty awful. But I do think going forward, if we're going to look for a an interior guy, there should be at least one more that has the ability to play outside. Although we could look at it and just say Billy Turner is going to be that guy, similar to what Justin McCray did, where Justin McCray was the guard, and then he kind of slipped outside, you know, depending on who was on the team at the time, he would slip outside to be the tackle. Or I could just say Justin McCray, and he could be sort of the backup guard slash uh, tackle, but I don't know if I want him on the team necessarily. So I'm actually going to leave it at four and continue on to guards and kind of see where we're at here. So last year we had Justin McCray, Byron Bell, 
Lane Taylor and Lucas Patrick. So we had four guards. And again, that would be four tackles and four guards if we make Byron Bell a guard. And then Byron Bell was sort of the, the halvesy kind of guy. So if we're looking for four guards, we know we have Billy Turner, we have Lane Taylor, we have Elton Jenkins. Um, and then also last year we had one guy that was a hybrid guard center. So it's it's kind of a big, weird situation. I'd really like to keep Cole Madison. I think he's done a pretty good job. Uh, Justin McCray is an option. I know I've been down on him, but as far as backups go, I think you could do worse. Uh, I do like Lucas Patrick. Not sure anybody else does, or the Packers do. A lot of Packer fans like Adam Pankey. I'm not as big of a fan, although a lot of Packer fans liked him as a tackle, and I thought that was ridiculous. As a guard, maybe. But if we're doing, let's just try to get focused here. If we're doing four, Lane Taylor, Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins are automatic. And then what I'll say is is Justin McCray is going to be our guard-slash-tackle backup. And then our center-slash-guard backup, I think, is going to be Cole Madison. He's currently actually listed as a center um, by our lad. And I think he's done a pretty solid job so far. So I think that's how I'm going to set this up. It's going to be David Bakhtiari, um, Alex Light, Brian Balaga, Yash Neisman are going to be our four tackles, which isn't great, by the way. Although we got to remember Billy Turner is probably actually going to be the backup if somebody goes down. But there you go. Guards, Lane Taylor, Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, Justin McCray, center Corey Lindsley, Cole Madison is the backup. And I know Cole is not the greatest at being a center at this particular point in time, but it's just a way to kind of keep him on as a guard, keep him on the roster, and, and keep keep training him up on that uh, the whole giving the quarterback the ball situation so those are so those are the guys and, and the ones that are going to be essentially leaving if that were the case would be Gerhard DeBeer, Lucas Patrick, um, Adam Pankey and Anthony Coyle and I'm, I'm really on the bubble here as far as if I want to keep going I actually think I'm going to stop I've got a little bit of time here but I'm going to it's going to be one of those things if I keep going I'm just going to end up being late for work so I'm going to stop here tomorrow we'll continue on with this and look at defense and probably have to add in a couple other things if you want, jump in the Facebook group and uh, give me your thoughts on, on the offense and defense. It can be based on what I'm doing or just in general, general thoughts, just some kind of food for thought as I go into this tomorrow and as I continue to start actually building out a 53, which I have not done yet, but something to think about going forward. Otherwise, I am planning on, as I ramp up my uh, my draft podcast and my draft YouTube channel, which I don't know if, you've, I don't know if I've even mentioned it, but I, I did make a YouTube video out of the last... Uh, the last YouTube. What am I? What, what are the words that I'm looking for here? I've got a YouTube channel. There's a new video. Go check it out. But anyways, the reason I bring this up is the next video slash podcast I'm planning on doing is actually doing some mock drafts. There's first round mock drafts, but also looking at seven round mock drafts per team. And I kind of figured I'll just start with Packers because that's the team I know the most about as I continue to try to learn up on other teams. So any thoughts on who we need to be drafting at this particular point in time? You know, any thoughts on that? We need this because of this. We probably should do this. Here's why. Whatever. If you have a thought on which round, throw that in there as well. Just some food for thought if you're looking to get in the Facebook group and and put some thoughts out there. Otherwise, I'm going to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.